Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, go to the new Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net. There, there you're going to find podcasts and pictures and blogs. It's really a lot of fun, travel tips. You'll you'll find a lot at speakingoftravel.net. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, you know, one thing that is so universal in the world, you can't help but see it wherever you travel are birds. They're everywhere. You look up, you look down, you go to the ocean, the mountains, the desert, the forest. Birds, 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 they're everywhere. Beautiful, fascinating birds. I mean, birds of all different kind of feathers and everything. In fact, one time I was in the Dominican Republic I was out at the beach. We were at the end of a cove. We were getting ready to go in a boat and Right above me is this bird that was like a prehistoric something. I don't know. It looked like a dinosaur with wings. I came to find out it was a giant frigate bird. So my guest I'm so excited to have today is Simon Thompson. He knows birds. He owns and operates his own bird watching and natural history tour his, uh, company, Ventures Birding Tours, and they're based right here in Asheville, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you, Madeline. Good to be here. I'm actually really excited to have you on the show today. I've been following Ventures for a long time. I obviously am a big fan of birds. Love well, the birds. Well, thank you, and kudos on your frigate bird for figure, figuring it out <laughs> as well. Thank you. Wow, that was quite <laughs> yeah. like spectacular. I, it, yeah. it literally uh, became dark mm-hmm. when that bird flew over. It was so gigantic. Oh, they're amazing looking things and just have the ability to stay up in the air for hours and hours and hours just floating on, on the air. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, Simon, let me ask you, it doesn't sound like you're from Asheville, North Carolina. Not exactly. I always tell people I'm from North Asheville and they look at me slightly blankly and I say, well, I am now, right. <laughs> but, I, but I'm originally from about 3,000 miles east of here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about <laughs> what it was like for Simon Thompson growing up. Oh, I mean, my goodness gracious. Well, on. I was one of those those expat Brits. My parents are British, and I grew up, I wasn't even born in Britain. I was born on the island of Malta, and then we moved to Yemen, which is not the place you'd want to be right now, and we moved to Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Ghana, Kenya. So we did move, we moved around a lot, which made for uh, talking of speaking of travel, <laughs> made for a very interesting upbringing. And while I was in Kenya, I met somebody who had a house in North Carolina. I came to visit and I'm still here. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. <laughs> so were your parents like 
were were they expats and just traveling about? No, my father was a civil engineer, so ah. he would work on all these big engineering projects all over the world. And so we'd usually get a choice of where we wanted to go, but sometimes it would just be, oh, this is where you're needed next. And my mother would just shudder at some of the postings usually. <laughs> I bet. So when you were growing up and you're in all these different environments, Mm. different cultures, different foods, different people, were you that kid who was like looking at the birds? I was looking at all nature. I don't. It's funny. You look back and you go, how did you get into something like this? And it's always difficult to see what that first little thing was that made it made it snap. And I remember I remember one of my first birds actually being in the middle of the sort of a high desert on the way between Beirut and Damascus. Again, another, not a place you'd want to go to probably right now, but I remember seeing a white stalk on the side of the road, and I must have been about six, and that memory stuck. But um, since then, of course, I get into all things nature, and birds seem to just get a hold. And they still got me. Oh, my gosh. So when did you start the uh, company? Com- oh, when I moved to this country, I started it actually when I worked at a nature center. And when the nature center went through some changes, I took the business and ran with it. So instead of having a full-time job with a regular paycheck, I went to a crazy job with a very erratic paycheck. But it's been, I've been my own boss now for, gosh, 15 plus, 20, 15 years or so. And it's its wonderful. So you've had the company all those uh, years, huh? Yeah. And it's growing. It's suddenly, in, it was a one-man show for a long time. And then since then, I decided to, I've now got full-time employee and lots of other guides who work for me. And it. The sky's the limit, so to speak. The sky is the limit, so to speak. I love yeah. that. So you're based here in Asheville. Absolutely, yes. And you do tours and things here? Gosh, yes. We started, of course, doing local tours all around Western North Carolina. And to be honest, we still do them. We now do even more than we did then. So we do loads of day trips all through our wonderful forests. We go to see warblers. We go down to the open country farmlands to see birds of prey and sparrows. And as well as local trips, we do weekend trips down to the coast. We do trips now all over the world. I just got back from two weeks in Morocco. Oh, Simon. I know. It's a You're tough life You're talking sometimes. dirty to me here, you know, the birds, the travel, yeah. the two weeks in Morocco. I know many people do say, well, you, what's your real job? I said, this is my real job. So I get to travel. A lot of it sounds very romantic, but sometimes you say, God, I really would just like to stay at home for a little while. Right. And so would my other half. Well, especially when you live in a home area that is yes, a destination exactly. with so much beauty. Mm-hmm. It's like every time you go outside the door, you yes. feel like you're a little bit on vacation. It is. And of all cities, I've, tra- I've traveled over this country a lot. And I must admit, I do like living here. The greenery. was. We walked out into the yard yesterday and it's just this giant green blanket that just sort of almost swallows you whole. Well, it is a rainforest, so you do have all those elements. Yes, and we have wildlife to go with that rainforest. Exactly. Well, speaking of rainforests, I'm sure you've traveled to countries where there oh. are... You go deep into the rainforest. Oh, absolutely. And it's, I just love it. Some people it scares a little bit because they're always scared of what could be in that forest. And we're fed so much stuff on television that, oh, be careful of the lions and tigers and whatever else is out there and snakes and bugs. 
you have more bugs. I see more. I saw more snakes in Ohio last week than I did on my last trip to South America. So it's it's we're fed a lot of misinformation, and we do tend to. Well, if you don't know any better. Well, that's why I am trying to get the word out there that it's not all scary and, you no, know. No, some people, these days it is a little bit more challenging with airports and security and things. So just take your time. Don't allow, I always tell people just take plenty of time. If you're going on one of these big trips, which because some of them are expensive. Let's say you're going on a two-week tour to Morocco to see birds. Don't come in at the last minute Come in a couple of days ahead of time. Obviously, if you can afford to go on a several thousand dollar trip overseas, you can afford to come in a day early, relax, get your breath back. If your luggage is delayed, it has a chance of catching up with you. If you're delayed, you won't hit the ground running, which is always, I always tell people, take your time. Well, Simon, that's a good lesson for everybody in everything they do in life. I think so. (laughs) But especially when you're traveling. Well, when we come back from the break, let's just pick up right there because I want to talk more about some of these trips that you take around the world. Um, I'd love to find out more about some of the birds that... that you've seen, maybe some that have been just that wow moment. So thank you so much for being on the show today. It's really going to be fun. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're here listening to Speaking of Travel on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. We're here with Simon Thompson talking about birding, and I'm really excited to uh, fly this coop. So we'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, your host, right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Listen, if you're coming to Asheville, North Carolina, you need to stop by and see my friends over at Appalachian Realty. They're cute little office bungalow is right off of Charlotte Street, and they have been helping Asheville 
with people coming here since 1979, they you can find a farm, you could find a condo, whatever you're looking for. Those guys over there at Appalachian Realty can really help you out. And remember, you can listen anytime, anywhere in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. So be sure you download that so you can listen to Speaking of Travel when you're traveling, when you're on a bus or a train or out in the forest, but certainly not when you're out in the forest bird watching. You don't want anything in your ears, right, Simon? Absolutely. You need to. I can listen over the top of a little bit of chatter, but really, if you're out looking for birds, you need to use your ears. Very important. Well, I'm here with Simon Thompson. Simon is with Ventures Birding Tours. And on that note, Simon, I'm curious. I mean, I've lived in the forest for almost 40 years. Mm. I mean, right in the forest. So I've been a friend of nature and a friend of birds for a long time. And you really have to listen. Yeah. the When you go outside, imagine you just walk outside into the woods and you're most people are very visually oriented. So you look and you see what's in front of you. That's all you can see. If you listen, you can hear all around you, 360. You can hear through the forest, assuming, of course, that it's not too windy. And so your your hearing really is the best way to tell you what is out there, as opposed to just seeing. Because in the summer here, when it's this green blanket we talked about earlier, you can't find birds very easily. But they know where they are, and we can find them if you know the songs. And tell me how you learn the songs. Is it something that you learned over a long period I, of time? It's, some people say it's difficult, and I must have a musical ear, but I don't think I have a musical ear at all. It's just one of those things you pick up by, I'm lucky I can hear a bird, and often the song or the call will go into a databank. And let's say I don't hear that bird for another five years, I still will remember it. If I hear it again, I'll go, oh, that must be X. But the best way to learn, I would say, was just get outside with people who know their bird songs. And there are, of course, apps on phones these days, and the computer programs can help you, and CDs, and all those multiple different ways of learning bird songs. But the best way is to go outside, listen to a cardinal, listen to a robin, and learn them. Right. We always had one of those little cardinal stuffed little animals where you press the button and it goes yes exactly and then and often there are ways to help you remember these songs put words to them describe them a cardinal sort of goes what 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 come here come here come here come here so that helps you if you put even if it's silly it doesn't matter because you'll remember it the next time or you may say for example an eastern kingbird which is quite common around here sounds like You've put your finger in an electric socket. Just goes, and it's a way of remembering. So, little clues, little hints that help you I learn love this that. stuff. So, when people go with you on on your tours, these are the kind of lessons. Oh, absolutely! Yes. Are people beginners? Some are, and some aren't. Some people, of course, can go out a million times and still can't tell one bird from another by listening but it doesn't matter it's a, it's a, it's enjoyment and that's the main thing and yes we do, we actually have a workshop coming up in June which is all about learning bird songs i and, saw that mm-hmm, it's a challenge but it's um it's good it's always fun so do you use those little um little tricks of the trade when you 
teach that class. Oh, absolutely, yes. I, in the past when we've done it, I've even blindfolded people. So they can't use their eyes and they have to use their ears because, well, humans don't use their ears very often. We don't listen very well to each other, let alone to nature. Exactly. That is a very <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. So when you're out there in the forest, I mean, you've got people here who um, haven't really been out in the forest before, let's say, and you're teaching them to listen and also binoculars. Ah, binoculars. A good pair of binoculars. Right. Very handy. And I, it's funny, I've, I've always had people come up to me and say, well, I can't use my binoculars. My eyes aren't right. I can't use them. And I go, that's because you've never looked through a decent pair. But put a decent pair in front of them, and it's like a new world opens up. It's, it's amazing to see. And it's, then it's fun to see how somebody enjoys it. They may not know the bird songs, but at least they can enjoy the birds with binoculars. So I'm trying to get a, a um, picture here because I, like I said, I've lived out in the forest and I've been mm-hmm. around a lot of bird songs. But what you were saying earlier about, you know, when you're not seeing and you're just mm-hmm. listening and you can hear the bird way off, yeah. mm-hmm. is that is that then kind of a cue Oh, I hear this bird way off, so we're going to track through the forest to go find it? Sometimes you can do that, but a lot of the time, if you know what you're doing, you actually know what birds to expect. So let's say I'm walking along the parkway, the Blue Ridge Parkway, and I hear, I I know to expect a scarlet tanager in the summer, and I also know what part of the tree they're going to be in. So you get to know what a bird, what of course, what it sounds like, what it looks like, and where it should be, its behavior. And so, for example, if somebody came to me and said, well, let's go and look for Scarlet Tanager, you don't usually look on the ground. You look at the top, especially in the spring when the males are singing, look on the tippy top of a big deciduous tree, and he's usually up there singing. So there's really a lot of kind of knowledge base mm-hmm. to yep. bird watching and yeah. Of course, you do get things that are slightly unusual. So if you did, I always tell people, don't sweat if you don't know all the bird songs. Know the common ones, because then if something sings or calls, you may go, oh, hang on, that's a little different. I don't know that one. It isn't one of the ones I see or hear every day. So then let's track it down and see what it is. That makes really good sense. Uh, so mm-hmm. when you when you do uh, go out and follow that kind of protocol, mm-hmm. you know, know your bird songs, be familiar with the ones that um, are yep. in your memory bank. And in your neighborhood as well. And in your mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yep. When you do hear something that um, is different, mm-hmm. uh, pay attention. Absolutely. And then maybe it's an uncommon bird or maybe a migrant coming through our area because, of course, in the spring and in the fall we get lots of other species that don't nest here that migrate on their way north and then in the fall return south. So, of course, in the fall, they're not usually singing, they're calling. And there's a difference between songs and calls that a lot of people don't, they may realize it, but they still don't get it quite right. A song, of course, is a a long and more complicated um, series of notes. And a call is usually simple and functional. So the call is really them calling to each other. Or announcing danger. Let's say a hawk flies over and and the cardinal then will make a a call note and the robin will understand it, the chickadee will understand it. But if a robin's singing, 
particularly couldn't really care less what it's doing because it's not interfering with its life at all. Gotcha. I have seen mm-hmm. that. I have mm-hmm. actually seen that happen where the little birds are calling out that the hawk is coming and then boom, there's that hawk. And those, those call notes are distinctive. There's a thing in the chickadees, they do what's called the high Zs, which is a little high pitch, Z, Z, Z. Suddenly, if you hear that, you look up, there will be a hawk. Wow. And everything either freezes or <laughs> runs for cover, so to speak. It's really like bird miracles up here. I'll tell you <laughs> what. And one thing I wanted to tell you, too, is when you were talking about migratory and bird, you know, sometimes getting off track. Yeah. Did you go to see the trumpet swan? Uh, in the French broad. Oh, of course I did. Actually, I did too. Did? Oh, yes, yes, I took pictures. Good. You know, it's a funny story. Some of us keep county year lists, as in a list of birds you see in the county every year. And it was the beginning of January, I think it was. I think that's right. And I needed to see Tundra Swan. It was, a friend of mine reported Tundra Swan on the river. And I went to see it, needed it. And I looked at it and went, hang on, that's not, that doesn't look right. So... I sat for two hours, tried to figure this bird out, that it was a trumpeter. Then I released the information. And so you released the information. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it was a destination It was. For me. Lots of people came to see it. It was lovely. Well, when we come back, let's talk more about the trumpet swan and other birds that you've sighted that were just maybe out of character for right there. Thank you, Simon, for being on the show. This is Marilyn Ball. We'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina Magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina Magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract, engage, and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. And go to the new speakingoftravel.net. You'll find pictures and links to podcasts. It's really going to be a lot of fun to interact and, and post photos and stories and Just go visit. It's going to be a good time for everybody and no passport required. (laughs) Well, I'm here today with Simon Thompson. He is a birding specialist. Uh, You know, how do you become that? I mean, you just start doing it, right? 
you started your company. And well, yes. I've, it's funny. Thank you, Marilyn. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been interested in birds, of course, since I was a little boy. And it's funny. I came over to this country, you know, keen out of college and said, well, I, I went to one of these other companies. There are other birding companies, birding tour companies. And I said, well, can, I, can I have a job? And, of course, they looked at me and went, well, who are you? <laughs> what do you know? And so I... Once I got myself back into gear again, I decided that I'd start my own company. And I started the program and then eventually took it over. Wow. So tell us a little about, well, first of all, mm-hmm. tell us the website of, of uh, your venture birding company. Okay. One, one good thing, it is quite easy to find. You can just Google Asheville birdwatching and it'll take you right there. But it does have an actual URL. And of course, that's birdventures.com. Well, that's easy. Birdventures.com. Not birdadventures, just birdventures.com. Nice. So when you were first starting out, Simon, was it hard to find people to go birding with you? Or did you find that there was a welcoming audience who were waiting for somebody like you? I think the latter. When I first came over, well, birdwatching in in England has been around for, of course, many, many years. And... What's exciting now to see is it's now the fastest growing hobby in North America, which is, it surprises people. Some people say, well, surely baseball's bigger. And I go, not even close. My goodness. So, um, and when I first came here, it, was the, it wasn't the thing it is now. Now it's booming, absolutely booming. I just, I just got back from, believe it or not, Toledo, Ohio. People go, why do you go there? But between Toledo and Sandusky are all of these marshes and woodlands on the shores of Lake Erie. And I just attended what they call the biggest week in American birding. We call it birding these days. We don't call it bird watching. It's grown up. <laughs> and um, I think about two to 3,000 people registered for the week. And the number of people that may visit is supposed to be about 30,000 plus which brings in quite a bit of money to a rather rural area of the world. Absolutely. And yet, on the other hand, and, and let's address this, you know, when you've got 30,000 people tramping through the woodlands and the swamps looking for the birds, is there an effect on the ecosystem? What do you think Everything's about Everything's very well managed. There are boardwalks, there are roads, there are trails. There's lots of places to go. And I think 99.9% of the people are very well behaved. You always get that one person who just goes off the wall a little bit. But most of the time, they're really, really well behaved. So there is kind of an etiquette. There is a very, birding. very much an etiquette. Let's talk yes. a little about that. <laughs> uh, yes, there are some things you can do with a bunch of people and other things that you'd rather you know, just keep to do by yourself. Let's say you do have a group of people. Of course, you have to be quiet. That's one thing. If you sit there and want to catch up with all your friends on the last trip you were on, you really need to do that afterwards. You don't. You tend to dress in slightly more muted colors. You don't go in wild whites and bright colors. Some people say, oh, the birds can't see you if you wear drab colors. The birds can see you. They just... Quick movements, I think, are more important not to do than worrying about what clothing you wear. But so those are some things. And, of course, walk, talk quietly. Don't go in a mad crowd of people. Small groups are always so much better to really see and enjoy what you're doing. So in a day's time, give us some Mm -hmm. idea of, of what it would be like. 
you're you're on a tour in Morocco, okay. let's say. Well, well, to start with, some days it is you do get early breakfasts, or sometimes you even go out before breakfast and then come back or have a field breakfast. So everything's a little bit different. But you'll go out those first few hours after dawn invariably are the most important hours of the day. And yes, in Ohio, I think I had five mornings in a row at four o'clock. That got a little old. But you see the birds. If you, those first few hours after dawn are so important. The middle of the day can be absolutely deadly. But that's often when you travel or sometimes rest or have lunch. Just take a little bit of time off. Because, again, in the late afternoon, you can go out again. And there's a little bit more activity before it gets dark. And how do you gauge, I guess you you would know prior to your destination what what you're looking for. Oh, absolutely, for. yes. There are books. There are, these days there are books on almost every country or regional guides. There are guides to different birds' families. There are, there's lots and lots of information out there. There are even recordings of all the bird songs that you can learn beforehand. There are apps. I mean, I've got apps on my phone for South Africa, for Europe, for... Peru, for all sorts of popular birdwatching destinations. What would you say what has so far been your most um, unique destination? <laughs> Last year, I took my mother. My mother's 80 plus, but still super active. And we flew to Jakarta in Indonesia, which is a big city full of traffic and people. But at the end of the trip, after it finished, we were there for two weeks. When we finished, she and I and a friend flew to Papua in part of pa the island of New Guinea, and we went into the forest hiking and to see the birds of paradise displaying. It was just, I mean, she just said to me, she said, I never thought I'd live to see, to look up into the trees and see all these birds cascading their plumes and displaying to the females. Pretty hot, hot stuff. Simon, now you're really talking dirty to me, yeah. my friend. I'll tell you what, those birds of paradise. Uh, mm, there's still a lot la. more out there I haven't seen. Well, it's <laughs> we call it. We don't just call it talking dirty. We call it bird porn. Oh we my bird, gosh! We have bird books with all this exotic stuff in it, and we just. Go, I oh love it. It makes me swoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you decide? Are, are you are you looking at putting your tours together like at a year out kind oh, gosh, of thing? Oh gosh, yes, we're finishing. Our day trips we do together, we put them together about six months at a time. So this week, we're putting out the day trips from July through December. They'll be up on the website, and there'll be this wildflower th uh, events, there's butterflies, there's shorebirds over in Rankin, Tennessee. There are sparrow and duck trips for later in the winter, of course. So those will be up through the, through the rest of the year, any minute. I've already got... India planned for January, mm. I've already, February. I've already got a trip in next April. And we'll go back to the biggest week in Ohio in May. So that, some of this stuff's already planned. We've got local ones as well, local North American trips. There'll be a trip to Florida coming up in March or April. So we're already putting together and 2018 hopefully will be finished soon. Wow. And then do you uh, do you keep mm -hmm. your groups kind of small? Oh, yes. Six to eight, probably maximum. So really, they mm -hmm. must book out pretty fast. Some do. Some mm -hmm. destinations do. We've got my next trip is actually in August, my next bigger trip. And I'm going to Newfoundland and Labrador. And that trip's full. And so, of course, it's a bit of challenge up there because it's not 
Going in and out of St. John's, Newfoundland is easy, but we're going out of Goose Bay, Labrador. <laughs> That's a little bit more rural. <laughs> right. So are, are the destinations sometimes brand new for you too? Yes, some of them. I try to go somewhere first before I take clients so I can figure out the lay of the land, even though there are lots of local guides now all over the world. Sometimes you do, it can be very expensive. And we're a small company. We're not one of the big ones. So we did a trip to Madagascar. I did it blind, which was fine. We had a local guide who I knew and trusted, and we had a great trip. Wow. Well, when we come back from the break, let's just pick up right there in Madagascar. <laughs> Why not? It sounds so exotic. Thank you so much, Simon, for being on the show today. This is Marilyn Ball, your host of Speaking of Travel. We're here with Simon Thompson talking about birds all over the world. We'll be right back. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, we're here today with my guest, Simon Thompson. He owns the Birding Company, we'll call it Birding. See, I'm already getting past the bird watching company, Ventures Birding Tours. Simon, thank you so much. The time oh. is going by so fast. I know we, we seem to talk, cover on a lot of subjects, don't we? I know, yeah. and birding is so fascinating, and it and it's so much more than just looking for that special bird and being able to be aware. It's it's so much. Um, it's so personal. It is. It's one of those things you can enjoy by yourself. You can enjoy it with others. You can. You don't have to go racing around looking for, oh, I have to see that warbler this spring while it's migrating through. You can actually just go on a little walk through the woods and it adds something to that walk. You may not look for the birds. You don't even have to take binoculars, but you can listen. They're singing. They're going about their lives, eating, feeding, breeding, whatever. And sometimes you can watch the news and go, 
oh, my God, what a disaster. Everything is going to heck, basically. And you can go outside and have a walk, and it grounds you. It just brings you back to reality. And it's very relaxing, very enjoyable, and very educational. And like you said, it's something you can do in your own backyard. And we here in Western North Carolina are just so lucky because we have such beautiful nature all around us. Oh, and it's there are so many great places to go. We've got, of course, the Blue Ridge Parkway is the crown jewel of our area, and it's so easy. You see so many people driving, and they just stop at overlooks. Just walk onto any of the trails, and you'll hardly ever anyone on the trails, which is wonderful. And walk quietly. I took some private clients out the other day who came from out of state, and I took them out, and we saw Canada warblers, we saw Veery, we saw black-throated blue warbler, scarlet tanager, all sorts of things, just quietly walking the trails. Okay, well, Randy, I'm calling on you now, buddy, because I think you and I need to get a private audience <laughs> with Simon, right? <laughs> Sounds good. We've already had it here this morning. I'm fascinated. I, I know. Yeah. Randy's a big birdie, bird, birder. 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 That's right. That's yeah. what we call We used to be called bird watchers. And it's funny, you had this this image of, was it, ladies in sensible shoes off looking at birds. But now it's... It's become a little bit more, it's often young, a lot of young people, young guys in England it was, and it is now here, a lot of young guys, and they are after. I spoke to somebody the other day, he said, yeah, I just got back from northern India, and then I went to somewhere else, and now I'm going to Arizona, and it's just, it's addictive. It's addictive. Well, why do you think it is so addictive? It's the variety, the shape, the color, the sound. It's yeah. just like it's just like a huge box of chocolates, and you just say, "Oh, I have to exactly. have one more. I have to have one more." And ooh, well said. I, it's hard to know sometimes why why the attraction because there are a lot of quite well known people across the country who are bird watchers, birders, whatever. And it's funny, we, in some circles, it's still considered a little bit geeky, but. It's not. It's grown up. This is now mainstream. So when somebody finds, uh, let's say you're on a walk at Beaver Lake right here in Asheville. Yes. And you do Beaver Lake. I mean, there must be a lot of birds there. There's a regularly scheduled bird walk the first Saturday of every month at Beaver Lake. Really? Which is an Audubon Society sanctuary here in North Asheville. And it's 8 o'clock in the summer, 9 o'clock the rest of the year, but... It's on their website, which is, if I get this spelt correctly, E-M-A-S-N-C.org, which stands for Elisha Mitchell Audubon Society, North Carolina.org. That has maps and birding spots, all the local birding spots throughout the whole area. So it's a great resource for, for birding. Well, a meetup, Randy, maybe we should do a meetup because that's what it is, right? They come and meet yeah, up. And- absolutely. And we have between five... Actually, these days, it's between 10 and 30 people every month. Wow. Yes. So we'll split up into smaller groups mm. and head out around the boardwalk. So if you if you haven't been to the sanctuary, it's all boardwalk. You don't even have to get your feet wet. Wow. And there are benches, so it's handicapped accessible. It's very, mm. very nice. That sounds lovely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the binoculars. Ah, yes. I want to go back to that. So mm-hmm. we want to be able to bird. And see the birds, you know, and like you were saying, I wear glasses. I've never been able to really understand how to look through binoculars. Where do you even go to get them? Well, to start with, if you are serious about getting binoculars and getting into the game, 
think think of a budget. How much do I want to spend? Because you can spend a lot of money. The, some of the binoculars now, and they are good. This isn't just a, 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 just a, a price that they throw out. Two thousand plus for a good, really good pair of binoculars, but you don't have to spend that. You can probably spend between two and four hundred dollars, get a decent pair, waterproof, good customer service from the company, and don't get anything with too much magnification. So avoid getting anything that says "oh, superpower, fifteen power." No, you need sevens, eights, and at the most tens, and just a good pair. Trap practice looking through binoculars. Go to one of these bird walks and look at what other people are using and say, oh, can I try binoculars? People are friendly. They'll let you look through their binoculars. And if you wear, and they're making binocular companies now are making binoculars for bird watching. So it's not just sports binoculars or hunting binoculars. These things can zoom down to really close distances. You can wear them with glasses. You can put the eye cups up when you're not wearing glasses. So they're very easy to use. So really getting into, um, you know, getting started, let's say you've never done this before. You love birds. You want to do it. Maybe doing the meetup locally at Mm -hmm. the uh, Beaver Lake and walking around. Definitely checking out your website. Tell us again what your website is. Birdventures.com. Birdventures.com. And that has links to all of the bird walks as well because there are several walks every month in different locations that are free, no charge open to the public. Of course, for our day trips and our bigger trips, there is a charge because... It's my job. It's how we make a living. Well, of course. <laughs> but I think really just being able to step into it for the first time and um, meeting some of the people and seeing what that... Absolutely. It's it's a great... The people are very friendly. They come from all walks of life. They all are, all are out there to enjoy what they see and to learn a little bit. I mean, look at a catbird again for the first time, and Beaver Lake is covered up with gray catbirds, but you learn how they their song learn what they look like, how they fly. It's There's a lot to see and do. You know, where I live out, and I live out towards Weaverville, and there's a little lake out there, mm-hmm. Lake Louise. And I just love when the geese fly over. I just, there's just something about having geese. It's a wild, excuse me, it's a wild sound. And something that's even nicer than geese are cranes. Have you ever heard sandhill cranes? Oh, my goodness, it's almost prehistoric sound and it's not not so far from here if you drive about three hours in the winter near Cleveland, Tennessee near Hiawassee National Wildlife Refuge 10,000 sandhill cranes winter, occasionally whooping cranes with them and the sounds when they're all flying around is just it's magical. Field trip Randy, we're going to have to go on a field trip Simon, I'm telling you this show went by really way too fast so (laughs) i want to have you back on the show again maybe after the summertime you can talk to us about some of the places where you've been we can revisit some of these birds and find out new locations thank you marilyn thank you it's really been a lot of fun well this is marilyn ball you're listening to speaking of travel and i want you to think about um, being quiet this week go out take a walk Just, you know, turn off the TV, put your feet out in the in the forest. It's everywhere around us here. And just listen, open up your ears and and listen to the to the 
beautiful sounds of the birds right over our heads. Sometimes they're right at your feet. I had a little robin right outside my window trying to get some straw for its nest. So think about birding as you move into your new week. And remember, don't postpone joy. Joy.